Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grump boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons podcast. That's right, where the Simpsons podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond and the new episodes when they air. Why do we do it that way? Well, there's an entity known as the Wheel of Random that has trapped us and forced us to watch those episodes. Because there's plenty of other podcasts out there that have discussed the Golden Age, that being seasons 1 through 10, so we're tasked to see if there's any episodes from the later seasons that can match those great episodes we all know and love. And when I say we, I don't do this alone. I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig. With me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy, Steve. How's it going this week? We're doing pretty good. I know the rest of the country is going through like a heat wave. Well, here in mm-hmm. uh, the Pacific Northwest, we're in the cool high 70s, mid 80s, you know, very manageable weather. Yeah, it's a little humid, but not <laughs> like falling down and burning ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're comfortably fine. Yeah, I mean, comfortably numb, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I try and numb myself, but. Uh... Well, that, that comes later in this uh, podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to start numbing yourself right now, I'm totally fine with it. I'm just staring at my my can of beer, ready to just drink. Well, I mean, uh, I say it's time for it? a favorite segment. Yeah, yeah, the Simpsons Beer Corner. All right, Steve, what do you got for us this week? Aside from being obsessed with Homer, Mike Wegman and the actor playing him, Michael Rappaport, has a fairly big fascination with uh, the old uh, game with the roundest of orange balls or the orangest of round balls, uh, basketball. So that's why I have Hangtime Marzen from Varietal Beer Company out of Sunnyside, Washington. So this is uh, Marzen Lager, and it says, Quench your madness with this traditional full-bodied lager brewed with Weyermann, German malts, and Idaho-grown Strian Celia hops. Comes in at 5.2%. I'd say the label is kind of kid-friendly because it shows a skeleton uh, dunking a basketball into a hoop with some kind of graffito tag type uh, hang time uh, font on there. A Marzen is often kind of a smokier beer, which can be off-putting to some, but I happen to really like it. A lot of brewers, though, don't go too smoky because they don't want to alienate the palates of their buyers. Uh, so this one kind of has like a dark, uh, dark yellow color. Like if it were urine, you should drink more water. It'll be urine soon. You don't own beer. You just rent it. <laughs> there you go. Mm, it doesn't smell overly smoky, though. It smells a little fruity, a little good. This is a great beer. It's got a nice kind of almost wild farmhouse-y kind of vibe to it. Uh, a little funky, but not overly so. Uh, very refreshing. A very interesting beer without being like too showy. It doesn't like have like any, like a lot of times the beers I have have like a weird gimmick. Like, oh, it tastes like Fruity Pebbles or whatever. Mm, yeah. Um, but this one's a bit more straightforward, a bit more crafty. Yeah, well done, Varietal. I think it's a lot of fun. What have you got for us, Craig? Yes, uh, Rappaport is a huge fan of the old basketball. And it is the orangest of uh, balls. But it's kind of like a tangerine color too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I'm with uh, Lost Coast Brewery Tangerine Wheat Ale. You know, when I think of Michael Rappaport, he's a tangerine wheat man. Sure. It uh, says this, a tangerine wheat beer. Uh, skip the lemon in your 
beer. Try tangerine wheat for a new taste sensation. You can enjoy summer all year with our refreshing golden wheat beer infused with the essence of tangerine. Enjoy with family and friends. Hmm, it doesn't say podcasters on this. Mm. Uh, you'll love this crisp citrus ale whenever the occasion. Well, I guess that counts as podcast. That's the occasional podcast. Uh, the can is a little, um, it's orange or tangerine color. And um, there's like some abstracty Picasso looking like tangerine face on it. Uh, holding a little stein in a field of wheat. <laughs> it almost looks like this can belongs in the 90s. I'm looking at it now and yeah, I can see it next to like <laughs> a bottle of Fruitopia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think if a kid sees this, it looks like tangerine soda. So this is probably not a good label for kids. And like the Lost Coast Brewery, like just looks like a fun beach bar in, in SoCal, in Eureka, mm-hmm. California. Isn't Eureka a big, uh, that's like a biker town, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I watch Sons of Anarchy. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it smells like someone spilled orange juice in my beer. Hmm. I'm sorry, tangerine juice. Also a little bit like the the smell, like a... Yeah, like a like a sunny D in a way, like uh, uh, someone. Yeah, it's like someone put sunny D in my uh, beer, my 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 Coors. Oh wow, it doesn't taste too artificially orange. Huh. like I don't need to put another piece of fruit in here. That would be weird. Be yeah. It sips really well. This I could have a couple of these and just be like, yeah, I'm not drinking beer. Like I don't really get the beer taste. Huh. I get mostly yeah. orange. And like you say, with like certain beers that have a gimmick or a flavor, like you get a lot of that flavor profile or like sometimes you don't like you see so mm-hmm. many IPAs. It'll be, um, you know, uh, cookies and cream IPA. But all you still right. taste is the pine tree of an IPA. Exactly. Yeah. This one, I get mostly tangerine. I don't really get the beer. Uh, it's just a very kind of light, light uh, golden color. It's refreshing. Yeah. Like, I think everyone in this heat wave of this country should have some of these to refresh yourself from the 120 degree weather you live in. Yeah. It sounds like a delightful, refreshing brew. This is a beer I would definitely take to the beach or a pool party. I think um, even if you're not a beer drinker, I think this is good if you're like a sour ale guy or or gal. Mm. Yeah, this would be the way to go. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Sounds like a great beer. Mm, yes. Mm, yes, of course. Well, mm, Steve, yeah. you know what else sounds great? Hmm. That's going back in time to when this episode aired, which, as we all know, was October 6, 2019. Steve, what were we watching in the cinemas during that time? Well, Craig, I'll have you know that we actually did both see this movie in the cinemas at the same time. Uh, and uh, we met a very lovely Older gentleman oh. afterwards. Um, it was the Joker. Much how like Barbie represents like that whole <laughs> that, that female audience of not being able to speak up for themselves because of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that spoke to so many women that saw Barbie. Uh, the Joker was like our Barbie, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> People who think they're funny who aren't, <laughs> who eventually go on killing sprees. <laughs> so men, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Have you revisited Joker since we've seen it? I saw it once more. Yeah, I thought it was it's a good movie, I think. Yeah, I know. I, I'm always nervous to say I like it because then I feel like I'm going to be put in a category of incels <laughs> or like that type. Of, yeah, that bro guy or not bro guy, but like that one guy that. Right. No, I totally get what you're saying. I'm not going to act like that. You know? Yeah. The, the, the people that like actually like the guys that did like agree with 
<laughs> right. Like, I like the movie Joker. I don't like the character Joker. No. He's a bad person. It would be cool if, like, I, I am very curious about the sequel, though, because it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the rumors is it's going to be a lot of, like, a musical number. And I was hmm. just kind of discussing that with someone. I was like, how come, you know, they're trying all these superhero movies and, like, doing some fun things with it? You know, where's the musical episode or musical movie been? Like, a full on musical. And I think we're getting it with the Joker. Yeah. I love the idea of a superhero musical i for some reason i feel like dc lends itself to musicals more and i don't know why but i just would love to hear like a gravelly voiced batman singing like a sad song and then like you know you get a like a more upbeat tune from joker or from harley quinn like there's a lot of potential there yeah we've talked about it before that uh we're really fans of the animated harley quinn show that's on max Mm -hmm. and we went back to and started watching batman the brave and the bold which was kind of after the batman animates like the bruce tim animated justice league animated series so you didn't have kevin conroy so then they did this show, which lasted a couple seasons, where it was Batman always teaming up with a new DC character. And it was kind of aimed more towards a younger audience, but also had more of like the the comedic type of storytelling that like the original Adam West Batman series did. Uh, Diedrich Bader plays the Batman in this, and he also plays it in Harley Quinn, the voice of mm-hmm. Batman. And I remember that at the time when it came out, a lot of fans were really, like not happy with it because it's like well, Batman's not supposed to be fun. You know, he's be dark and brooding. But if you like the Harley Quinn show, this is kind of in a way the I'm not saying it's a prequel series at all, but it it does kind of lend itself to a lighter tone. And it's pretty brilliant show like you could watch with the whole family and still have like some fun jokes. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because, yes, Steve, there's an episode of Batman, the Brave Bold called uh, Music Meister Strikes. I might be from the first season. I just watched it. And Neil Patrick Harris plays a comic character called a Music Meister. And the whole episode, the 22 minutes is a musical. And you do get a little bit of Batman singing and you might get a little Aquaman singing. So <laughs> I love it. So it's and like and I was watching. I was like, yeah, this should be a movie like it would be great to see. And I think Batman's the right one to do it. But yeah, there's another thing about the show I liked why uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold was great because it always showcased other DC superheroes and villains. So it wasn't just Batman and his friends, you know, like Robin and Catwoman, mm-hmm. but it had like, you know, other lesser known superheroes like that maybe people didn't know, like Blue Beetle, Green Arrow, some of the, the um, yeah, not as the popular A-listers like Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, Joker, we were coming out of the theater. <laughs> and we got into the car and said, uh, Steve, turn on the radio so we can hear the number one song. And uh, we did. And Craig, what was that number one song? Well, the truth hurts. That's uh, hmm. that I'm going to have to say it's Lizzo. The truth hurts. Oh. Why are men great till they got to be great? Don't text me and tell it straight to my face. Best friend set me down in the salon chair. Shampoo press get you out of my hair. Ah, Lizzo. Everyone loves Lizzo. That's a fun song. Sure. Luckily, we don't uh, ever timestamp this podcast. So if something ever bad were to happen to Lizzo in the news, you wouldn't know from us because we would never talk about it. That's right. Uh, Any allegations or any sort of uh, any sort of uh, news events, we wouldn't uh, talk about it all. And we just gloss over them like nothing happened. Yeah. And this isn't just for Lizzo. It's other celebrities, too. But, you know, Lizzo. Yeah. Uh, Craig, you want to go get a banana? Uh... What? Oh, I, I don't know. Well, Steve, we're going to uh, this uh, club in Amsterdam after this podcast recording. So uh, I'm making you go, by the way. Okay. Um, Is my body okay or should I lose a little weight? We don't body shame on this episode or on this podcast, you fat piece of shit. 
That's right. Because we're uh, both fat pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve, we can't make judgments yet. You know, we're not judge, jury, and uh, executioner. Yet. Right. Yet. I, 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 I can ask you a question uh, that you might know the answer to. I know your, your wife is a big fan of uh, Beyonce, right? Yes. What if something major came out about Beyonce and, like, we had to cancel Beyonce? How would your wife take that? And I'm not, I like, am... putting down on, like, on just your wife, but I'm just trying to think of, like, other... I don't think we have, like, as much celebrity... Hmm. Ray. I don't... I don't, I don't Mel Gibson shrine of mine. I probably should take that down, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, my Kanye poster is getting a little... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you, you have a three-bedroom house. One bedroom is just dedicated to all Bill Cosby paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, and you just started collecting that like two weeks ago. I, I got the uh, copy of Cigar Aficionado in there. <laughs> oh yeah, there's another one. But why are we talking about Cigar Aficionado? That is, I have no idea. Okay, okay, we'll maybe not bring it up ever again. Um, but yeah, but yeah. If if uh, Beyonce was canceled, Laura and I have actually had this very conversation in recent days because of what's going on that we're not talking about. And yeah, she would just drop Beyonce in a second. Uh, wow. Nothing's too precious. Be- yeah. Huh. You know, if it happens and, you know, it's it sucks. And I don't know. I just think that, you know, if a person's not a good person, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't worship them. And then it goes in the whole thing about do you still enjoy their music? And at what right. point do you stop? Like, do you listen to do you still listen to the older stuff before you knew? I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Like, you know, going to a grocery store and hearing like Billie Jean or Pretty Young Thing. Right. Like, is that OK? And I'm not saying that it is or isn't because it's not my place to say, but it is something to think about. Like I was never a big Michael Jackson fan in the first place, so that didn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a uh, band called Anti Flag. They're a political punk band who've been around since like the late nineties, and yeah. I like their first couple of albums. And recently, it came out that their lead singer been accused several times by several different people of being really problematic, grooming younger younger girls, and maybe even like you know being very inappropriate with them. And so the band just broke up uh, because of all the allegations and. It took me to kind of think about like what people were saying about the lead singer and how there's kind of like this swell of people saying like, oh, that sucks, but it's also kind of not surprising. And hearing that and just hearing that like there's a cycle and this like legacy of bad behavior, it made me really think about it. Now, I just don't want to listen to him or that band ever again, even though I did like them at the time, because it's just I don't want to support that, you know, so it's tough, but I just can't in good conscience like listen to their music anymore all right i guess but again that's not me to like tell people what to do like yeah exactly yeah right yeah i guess uh, i guess we'll find everyone everyone's gonna get canceled eventually so uh we'll find out (laughs) yeah so um i just think we should uh watch the episode steve let's stop stop talking about this that's probably the best move that we could do (laughs) all right so steve let's uh talk about this week's episode it's called uh go big or go homer in which homer is demoted and must supervise interns among whom is a go-getter who asks homer to be his mentor when homer inspires him to start a business of his own the two find themselves being chased by the mob wow all right steve um let's go pound off our beers and uh Come back and discuss. Sounds good. We'll be right back. Here's my small tool. Hey, I'm glad you're back with your bitch. I mean, who will want to hide this? I will never, ever, 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 ever be your side chick. Put- 
And we're back today. We're talking about Go Big or Go Homer. It's the second episode of the 31st season, originally aired October 6th, 2019. It's episode 664 in the show's run. Your nerd code is YABF21, written by John Frink, directed by Matthew Fahan, and your showrunners or Al Jean and Matt Selman. John Frink, once again, we just had him last week, but he's a writer who has uh, written for several sitcoms of the 90s, including Hope and Gloria, Pride and Joy, Cantory Love, and Men Behaving Badly. And then in the 2000s, he joined The Simpsons with his writing partner, Don Payne. They wrote nine episodes together, and then John Frank continues to write for The Simpsons to this day. He's written a total of 37 episodes, and this is the 17th that we've reviewed. Last week's episode was, of course, uh, 500 Keys, which we uh, did enjoy. So let's hope that there's a uh, back-to-back uh, Frink uh, level of uh, enjoyment. Indeed. So if you want to hear us talking more about uh, Frink, uh, just go back to last week's beginning. What else can we say? Uh, it's in uh, some of his other work. Uh, Veronica's Closet. That was uh, a show. I mean, it was pretty popular, right? Yeah. I never it was watched on Musty it. TV, but uh, yeah. R.I.P. Christy Alley. You were as I good guess. as an actress as your politics were good, too. Uh, we're not a political podcast, and we wouldn't shame That's true. for their yeah. policy, politics. Yeah. That's right. Uh, all right. See, well, our episode begins, as it always does, with no gags. I got nothing. No chalkboard. No couch. No. No board. It's because we're in the 31st season, Steve. It's like we're kind of in that phase of we're done with that, right? Yeah, we got so much story to tell. We do. And it begins... At a snowy day in the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, preparations are underway for a surprise party for the birthday boy, Lenny. Happy birthday, Lenny. Uh, Homer has picked out the perfect card that features a cowboy saying, uh, happy birthday, partner. On the inside, it reads, better over the hill and under it. And the features are a buckaroo pointing to another cowpoke buried in the ground. Carl gives Homer $5 and having chipped into the party fund can now sign the card. Carl does so by showing restraint and just writing his name rather than, you know, best wishes or regards. And then other employees chip in uh, and sign the card. I like how Carl is reading the card. Like he's really observing the text and like the mm-hmm. the joke. And he's like, okay, yeah, happy birthday partner. Better over there. Oh yeah, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had to do this at a work setting where you know there's passing around the birthday card and you have to oh, yeah. sign it? And it's just I never know. Like Carl's doing the right thing, just signing his name because like it's usually when not so much birthdays, but when somebody's leaving a job and you have to like write like, "Hey, hope your next venture is great," or "I love that time that you spilled soda on me," or whatever. I just don't have that much to say to anybody ever. And I don't know, should I just write my name? Should I write something? Birthday cards are cards in general. They're weird. Yeah. And do you write your full name or just your first name? Right. And what if there's two Craigs or two Steves? Yeah. Yeah. I just write. I think I just write my my name. Mm-hmm. Like I almost like sign it the way I like sign my credit card receipt. You know, so just my little quick signature. Like, Wait, that doesn't right. make sense. I'm not, like autographing their, their birthday <laughs> card. Ooh, it's got a Craig on it. And it's annoying too because it's a lot of times like that or like you're going to like a birthday party for a friend and you're like, well, I, was I even invited? And you're like, well, no, you're allowed. You know, I'm allowed to bring a plus one or whatever. I'm like, but I don't really mm-hmm. know these people. I'm right. Like, oh, you signed this card. I'm like, but I'm not really associated with them. <laughs> I'm like, cool. All right. Here you go. <laughs> hey. It's like when you're like your early 20s and you're dating someone and it's like one of oh, their friends. Yeah. So, so that's when kind of getting to the point is like, I've been seeing this girl for, you know, like a month or whatever, maybe. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I have to go to one of my friends' birthday parties. And I'm like, all right, well, have fun. I'm like, oh no, you're coming too. I'm like, but I don't know these people. <laughs> uh-huh. But you're like, well, I also, you know, it's been only a month with this girl. You know, I kind of want things to get progress. <laughs> so I better do this. Right. I remember also a situation in my 20s where the situation was kind of reversed where I was going to a party and a girl that I've been seeing for, yeah, probably about a month, if that. I didn't exactly invite her, but she kind of came along anyway. And then I just like, oh, you don't really mesh with the people at the party. And I don't know because do I hang out with you? Do I? It's just, yeah. Or is it just your own insecurity, Steve? Probably that. It's always that. We all are uncomfortable with parties in general. And I I think I've said it before. I think we need to have a cutoff for adults for having birthday parties. Okay, if you want to have like the milestone birthday parties, like a 30th and a 40th and so on, like especially if it's a 50th, then it should be just be like low key going to like a brew mm-hmm. pub or a winery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not like a party at someone's house. <laughs> like, no, it's basically just dinner. Sense. Yes, dinner. There you go. Dinner or even brunch. Mm-hmm. I'll accept that. Yeah. But now we're going to have to be out all day and night for something. Yeah. If you're turning 37 and it's your birthday weekend, you might be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> Steve was starting with a, a, a Jeff Foxworthy bit. Yeah. You're 37. You have a birthday weekend. You might be a redneck party girl. You might be an alcoholic. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't like the work thing, just like this. It's I but here's the thing is like I've had to sign cards, but I've never had to do the chip in the five dollars thing. So, right. Which I guess we'll get to in a bit. But uh Steve, don't tell me you paused and like wrote down all the names from the birthday card. Well, I did. Oh my god. Is that why but, we're, we're recording two hours late? Because you're exactly all right. But I don't think we need to go through all of them. But if we were, it would go something like Homer, Carl, Charlie, Rachel, Kevin, Donna, Matthew, Susan, Russell, Caroline, Smitty, Jared, Glenn, Colin, Kyle, Jesse, Mike, William, Sarah, Danish, Allison, Angie, Louie, Roberto, Sean, Judy, Vinny, Arthur, Marie, Chris, Phil, Alice, Steve, Vanessa, Jimmy, Malcolm, Bill, Mark, Tommy, Susan, Emma, David, Jay, Tim, Alex, Sheila, Veronica, Dennis, Kamal, Lucas, Debbie, Raul, and Dave. Dave's not here, man. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Dave's not here. I get it now. <laughs> it was all about a birthday card. <laughs> I wish Cheech and Chong were on Twitter a lot. Uh, uh, what's Twitter? Ex- oh, I'm sorry. X. Okay. Because it's basically the only ad on there now is for Cheech and Chong's legal weed gummies. And listener, if you open up your X app now, not the porn one, but the one that <laughs> is still owned by Elon Musk uh, as of this record, you're going to get an ad for Cheech and Chong weed gummies, and it's ridiculous. Also, the whole app is trash now anyway. Yeah. So back to the episode, the party goers then get in position and anticipate Lenny's arrival. They see a shadowy figure approach the door and they get ready to say, sir, prize, only to find that it's C. Montgomery Burns. He thought he was going to the blood transfusion room, but it's sad to see that there's not a baby in sight. Carl informs Mr. Burns about the party and how everyone chipped in five bucks for a card and a cake, as well as a show by the close-up magician Abracadabra, who impresses two employees in hazmat suits by pulling a quarter from one of their ears. I'm looking at the uh, uh, list of people that signed the card, and there is a Debbie. So I'm wondering if Debbie is actually Abracadabra, and this is like, she's always wanted to be a mag- magician, but she works at the plant. And so she's that like, makes my a magic lot of sense. Sets? Yeah. And also, you know... How many times have you seen a female magician? Not enough. Yeah. I, I can't even name one. They're always the yeah. assistant. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't for the longest time the Magic Castle in LA, like women weren't allowed? It's something? true. Yeah. Was that the case? 
I think it might have been a long time ago, but they've since fixed that rule. But yeah. Yeah, what a niche like thing. Like when you watch those America's Got Talents and you know they have magic acts, you never see a woman doing it. Is it because women are like, I don't know, uh too cool for magic. Too cool for magic, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> is it something about boys in general kind of think magic's cool? Yeah, I think that like of the hierarchy of dorkiness, like somewhere between like like comic book nerd isn't even a thing anymore, really, because a lot of people read comic books. And it's kind of in the mainstream, so that's not even a thing. But, like, your uh, ventriloquist, your magician, your, like, I feel like band person, even if it's, like, you're playing, like, guitar and you want to be in a band, still kind of that level of dorkiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, magician's way up there. And I, I feel like a lot of uh, female people are not uh, encouraged to explore magic. Yeah. Like, female ventriloquist. I will. Uh, Shelly Lewis. Uh, lamb mm-hmm. shop you know yeah that's kind of the only one i can think of i'm sure like on the circuit or you know touring there are probably a lot of independent ventriloquists who are female but we just don't know about them because they don't like get that much notori- notoriety yeah but they should do you think that uh it seemed like the, the shadow it looked like it was lenny but then turned mr burns like there's a yeah. part where like his hair looked like it was ruffled and he opens the door and it's not I was like, mm-hmm. sure see where it was ruffling, like shakes his head and goes back to the position. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Mr. Burns, uh, uh, he figures he should sign the card as well, writing with regards Seamont Gubby Birds in very large cursive text covering the entirety of the card. There's also that person, too, that like takes mm-hmm. up so much real estate in the card. Yeah. What if you're like also like one of the first people that gets the card and you have to sign it? Like, where do you place it? I oh, guess. God, that's so much pressure because you yeah. don't want to go too big. Right. And yeah, you don't want to like take up prime real estate, but you also don't want to get relegated to the corner or whatever. That's usually where I would try to sign it, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe my new thing is I'll sign it like on the spine. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> but yeah. then that becomes like too showy in a way. Mm-hmm. I'll just draw a penis and write Craig. No. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, so then Homer holds up the uh, party fund envelope to Manji to contribute, you know, because he signed it. So he's got to contribute the five bucks. But he walks right by him. And then Lenny walks in and says a happy birthday, ruining the whole surprise party. <sighs> I also feel like surprise parties happen on TV way more than they happen in life. It's probably now like with social media and, and texting and text change, it's maybe a lot harder to organize a surprise party. Yeah. It just feels like such a sitcom trope of people hiding in a room. <laughs> Big surprise. When you're pulling up to the house like, well, why are all my friends' cars at my house? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they've all scheduled things to not be with me on my birthday. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> I was trying to get a party together and no one wanted to do anything on my birthday. Oh, I guess I don't so, have friends. Let's go home and commit suicide. Oh, what? <laughs> Everybody I know is here? If you do surprise parties, you should just like literally have a surprise party for someone that's not their birthday. Uh-huh. Just in general, be like, all right. Get everyone together on like a Wednesday, <laughs> right? At five thirty p.m. <laughs> what is everyone here for? <laughs> Truly, this is a surprise. Yes, it sounds like a dumb TikTok thing, doesn't it? I mean, everything sounds like a dumb TikTok thing to me now because I'm old. <sighs> uh, so, as the party goes on, Homer stares at the greeting card with growing anger and intensity. The festivities continue with Abracadabra pulling several eggs from Lenny's uh, throat, and he declares this to be the best birthday ever, and then toast everyone who chipped in. Later, as Homer, in a stylish Adam's jacket like we saw him wear in the town, is shoveling the snow from the yard when he expresses his frustration with the family. What kind of person signs a birthday card and doesn't chip in? You sign the card, you gotta chip in. It's the code of the card. How big did he sign? Eddie Bauer big. (gasps) 
stupid unpaid signature. This is the worst thing that ever happened at a nuclear power plant. Homie, just let it go. Don't let a signature drive you crazy. You're right, honey. I'll let it go. I don't know what I'd do without you. Happy birthday, Lenny. No! No! Homie, what is it? I had the most horrible nightmare where I listened to your advice. Go back to the directing of this episode. We don't really talk mm-hmm. about the directing, uh, but uh, Matthew Fahan who did it, right? Uh, yeah. Just that that shot, which we never, we hardly see the the full front of the Simpsons character's face. It's yeah. usually at a, at a side, but that whole just Homer staring right at the card and seeing the party going on in the background, just very well done. It is. Um, I liked how uh, Abracadabra was pulling the eggs out of his mouth. I When I first watched this initially, I, I turned my head or something and I didn't see and I saw three white things. And I thought like, oh, no, <laughs> did they do a Lenny eye joke? <laughs> like, did she take his eyes out? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> So you said that we've already seen the uh, this the Adams jacket. Yeah, when Homer went to the Boston episode, was that was like season twenty eight, maybe? I think so. Yeah, I was kind of thinking when I was watching it because when this was like a dream sequence, I thought mm-hmm. that was like in his dream he always wanted like an Adams jacket. We've never seen it. He was just dreaming that he would have it. Yeah, but the fact that he had it because it was weird because in his dream also Marge is doing gardening while there's snow and Bart and Lisa are playing frisbee in yeah. the snow. It, so- it's all very interesting. But that's what I kind of like about this as a dream, because it's not overtly like too crazy. It's weird, but not that weird. It's something like you when you would dream, like something mm-hmm. so n- normal. It's just one of the better like dream sequences I've seen on a TV show. Yeah, it's the most realistic. Yeah. Um, also, the signature stabbing Marge is truly, truly horrifying. <laughs> like when it just happens, it just cuts through her chest. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to get like a psychologist or psychiatrist that specializes in like uh, dreaming and like mm-hmm. dream what analysis, it means. dream analysis, and like show that scene. Like, here's Homer dreaming, and this what does this symbolize? The fact that Marge is also being like, what does that symbolize to him? Like, is it is it like he can never see another man enter Marge? Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, you could go all Freudian and say that it's his insecurity with his female relationships with his life, the fact that his mother left him so early. Oh yeah, and he's worried about Marge leaving him as well, even if it's at the hand of a signature. And even at the end of that clip, when he says, like, I had a nightmare where I listened to your advice, like, so all of that, you're right, with his insecurities, that she was the root of the problem in that dream. Right, exactly. He blamed her for that. Wow. Just like he blames his mother secretly for leaving him, but he can't admit it because he feels guilty about it still, even though he got his reconciliation with her. So Homer's got uh, issues with women. Yeah. All right, we figured it out. <laughs> Do you think he'll like the Barbie movie? Hmm. I think he'll be disappointed because he thinks it's an Australian movie about cooking shrimp. <laughs> or, sorry, prawns. <laughs> Put another prawn on the Barbie. That's not how it works. Either. All right, well, <laughs> the following morning, Homer waits outside Mr. Burns' office. Looking to make things right, he psychs himself up by slapping his face, running up the wall and doing a flip. <laughs> uh, Steve, can you do that real quick? Let's see you do that. Oh, yeah. Ba-da-ba-da-ba. Slam. I felt that. And then he slides to his knees, playing a sick air guitar riff. <laughs> and then he chugs a bag of like NNNs. They look like um, because who? What's the light brown bag? Is that the is that the peanut? No, the peanut butter is is red. Yeah, peanut butter is red. Peanut is yellow. Yeah, 
dark brown is of course OG original. Right. I know like the light brown I think might be it's a good one. It's is it is it the pretzel one? Let's see, so crispy is a blue, kind of a rubin eggs blue. And those are good too, because it's just like Nestle Crunch. Yeah. It's like a more approachable whopper too. Yeah, so the peanut butter, yeah, it's like more of a an orangey red. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because this was kind of like a light blue. Uh, they should make sauerkraut M&Ms. I'm sure they will eventually. Okay. <laughs> uh, almond? Uh, almond's kind of like, again, a light almond color, like a khaki. Because it didn't do a zoom in and enhance. So the caramel cold brew kind of has a light brown oh, yeah. color to it. But those are more recent before this episode. It's true. Almond is kind of an earth tone. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The closest one is the caramel cold brew. And that hadn't existed. So the Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. All right. (laughs) Anyway, so then Homer steps into the door and confronts Burns, saying that uh, everyone who signed the card chipped in, except for him. But Imani responds by saying, how dare you give me that slightest worry? He then pulls out a $5 bill from like a giant bundle of cash. Again, the directing this episode is top notch because like you have that camera shot when he walks into the office. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like right down there. Uh, uh, bird's eye view just a lot of really good direction in this episode and uh, the money so yeah it's really neat um so yeah he hands the five dollar like i said and then uh he's hoping that homer didn't lose any sleep over the misunderstanding which again like how many times like you are lose sleep over something and there's like a deadline there's something you have to do like in a couple oh, God. days yeah and you're losing sleep over it and then you do the confrontation that you do you do that thing that you have to do and you realize it's like the person's reaction is like okay cool thank you uh, right that thing that you're so worried about thing that like you're nothing. stressed about means nothing to anybody yeah <sighs> so uh, relatable and so then uh mr burns is just like ah here here's a cricket for good luck and he just hands him like a tiny cricket on like a string like a leash yeah what does this even mean <laughs> i don't know but i like it uh, yeah. so all seems well because homer's walking out of the office with the cricket on a string and it's all good until homer runs into smithers who calls him a monster for taking advantage of an old man Smithers goes on to explain that Mr. Burns is on a round-the-clock regiment of skin thickeners, and then we see his face, Mr. Burns' face, before the thickeners, and it's uh, translucent and very gross. Uh, The side effect of that medication is that he has uh, bouts of uncontrollable decency. As a punishment for exploiting Monty's kindness, Smithers demotes Homer to the worst job in the plant, supervising the interns. And uh, before we play uh, the clip, uh, they do this cool thing where, like, it pans in on Homer being like, dun, dun, dun. But then it also pans in on the cricket in his face. And I just think the cricket's got a really cute face. Very Disney animated Mm -hmm. animal character with the big eyes and the hubby dog look, essentially, because he's sad. Yeah. Listen up, Millenniums. I'm Homer Simpson, your new supervisor. So stop Snapchatting, Fortniteing, and swiping right on your Uber Venmos. Or actually replicating plant startup sequences to simulate the effects of high-demand energy draws? Contamination versus irradiation. Your thoughts? Address rate of reaction. What variables can we assume? Uh... <laughs> This guy is denser than Osmium-188. <laughs> Are my ears hearing this? 
Are you seriously busting the clangers of Homer J. Simpsons? This man is a god, and his clangers are unbustable. You're looking at the Michael Jordan of Sector 7G, and you humps aren't worthy to swill his backwash. You're sticking up for me? Who are you? Mike Wegman, nuclear intern, and your number one fan. Craig, how are your clangers? Uh, pretty secure. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, actor, director, stand-up, and video game voice actor and social media rancher uh, Michael Rappaport playing Mike Wegman. Uh, he's known for, you know, criticizing Trump on Twitter or X. Uh, and he's uh, known for such films as Beautiful Girls, True Romance, and Deep Blue Sea. He's had reoccurring uh, roles on such shows as Friends, My Name is Earl, and Boston Legal, and even had his own sitcom for two seasons called The War at Home. Yeah, first appearance of Mike Wegman. We have seen him in, uh, I think, what, Podcast News, and there's like two other ones, right? Um, Bart the Cool Kid? Mm-hmm. Or has there been more than that? Yeah, Bart's in Jail. And uh, Girls Just Trying to Have Fun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is Rappaport like a uh, A-list character actor? As in, like, he's not an A-list actor. He's just, like, one of the most recognizable character actors? I would say so, because when I was thinking about his career and what I knew him from when I was doing the notes, I couldn't think of, like, anything that he, like, starred in. But I know him so well, and I, like, I kind of first remember him as Phoebe's uh, boyfriend on Friends. That's kind of where I first kind of <laughs> introduced to him. Is that where, like, they're in... Is this... Am I confusing this with with a Seinfeld episode? Like they're in bed and he just pulls no, a gun out and shoots a dog or a yeah. Bird? So is that Seinfeld or this show? Friends. That's this show. That's Friends. Um, okay, yeah. Because what happens is like he's a cop, right? And maybe he's, it was only one episode, but it felt like he was on there for a long time. But like he did they, like six episodes or so. Yeah, they started dating, and I don't know if they move in together or they just start spending the night together. But yeah, the first night that they're together. You know, they had a lovely night of love making and sleep, probably. And then they wake up and there's a bird tweeting and he just pulls out a gun. <laughs> and shoots the bird. Yeah. As anti shooting birds in the morning. As I am. That was a funny scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's good at playing like cop character. Mm -hmm. I love Beautiful Girls when I came out. That was a great movie. I haven't seen it since then. I don't know if it holds up. Uh, Small Time Crooks. I know we can't like Woody Allen, but I always enjoyed him in Small Time Crooks. Uh, he, he was just recently on uh, Only Murders. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had a long uh, run on the Atypical show that lasted a couple seasons. Mm -hmm. He's shown that. But yeah, I mean, I guess his biggest leading role was the uh, War at Home, which I never watched that. But yeah, it was a weird time when I think that sitcoms were kind of like in a weird place where they didn't know what they were. So they got a lot of character actors to be leading men because around that mm -hmm. time, too, like Brad Garrett also had yeah. his own sitcom. Probably like right before or after that, uh, Michael Rapports, where you know he played like a you know a, a tired dad or something. Yeah, yeah, a lot of video games too. Grand Theft Auto Three, Scarface, the world is yours. Um, I, I feel like Michael Rapport probably is like some people like him, and he's probably like either you like him or you don't like him. There's yeah. a lot of people like I'm fine with him. I'm, I've I've always liked him. Just because he's always playing a character, even when he's not a character, he's a character. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll get to another thing that comes up. But yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. Yeah. I also wonder, as we're going to hear more from him soon, uh, how much of his script was ad-libbed? Yeah, especially when he says Homer Simpsons. Like, I'm just wondering if mm -hmm. he kept saying it's just Simpson. It's the show's The Simpsons, but you don't need to pluralize it. And then it's like, I just go with it. And he's like, it, maybe it's no, no, I'm making a, a character choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a fun choice. I like it yeah. a lot. 
One of the interns smugly informs Mike that his hero, Homer, has a Pop-Tart in his cell phone <laughs> holster. <laughs> so the other interns laugh as Homer uh, nervously eats the breakfast pastry. And so Mike Wegman uh, face grows red as he confronts Ricky and the other interns who would dare sully the good name of one Homer J. Simpsons. No one disrespects Homer Simpsons. Not you, Ricky, with your standing desk. It's not a workout. It's been disproven. And not you, Gretchen, drinking coffee creamer straight from the bottle. You exude amaretto, you freak. And Benjamin, no one ever got trampled at a Michael Buble concert. Drop the friggin' lawsuit. You're clogging up the system. This man is a dynamo. So you shaved coconuts. Give him your full respect. All right, all right. Sorry, Mr. Simpson. Looking forward to learning from you, Mr. Simpson. People at work usually yell at me, not for me. How do you know who I am? Ha 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 ha. So modest. What a dynamo. Because it is. Hmm? Whenever there's trouble, you are at the heart of the action. Number six is why all those horses went bald. Yeah. I've been looking up to you for so long from the cheap seats, and now we're finally face to face. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I gotta ask, will you be my coach? My sensei? Homer J. Simpsons? Will you be my mentor? Do people just drink creamer from the bottle like that? Normally, no, because it's gross. However, I saw somebody on TikTok who was from, I think they were from Germany, and they had a Canadian friend that they were visiting in Canada. So they bought some creamer and just poured a glass of it and drank it. And they were like, this is really weird. Why would you drink this? Not realizing <laughs> that it was coffee creamer. But yeah, I don't think it's actually a thing that people do. And if it was, that's pretty gross to me, at least. Because I know they have like so many flavors now. Yeah. Like there's like the Cinnabon flavor Ugh. and there's like probably Pop-Tarts and like. Oh, Lucky I'm sure Tarts. there are. Yeah. Yeah. I know that there is, in fact, a Cinnamon Toast Crunch mm. coffee creamer. There's Cinnamon Toast Crunch everything now. Like when you go down the yeah. aisle, there's Cinnamon Toast Crunch frosting for cakes. There's Cinnamon Toast Crunch cookie packet where you just add water and eggs maybe um, mm -hmm. i think there's a cake mix there's cinnamon dust that you could buy which is just cinnamon sugar but they put the low you know right um there's also a twix one and i might have purchased it <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see what else they have for cinnamon uh, uh for cinnamon toast crunch um like there's there's like now like cinnamon toast toast crunch uh bbs like the not bb guns but like <laughs> the cereals like grape nut size but they have it on, oh like, right they, right they have it with like tricks and, and um uh maybe fruity pebbles which makes no not fruity pebbles but that would make sense they look like mm -hmm. little pebbles but the yeah cinnamon toast crunch and whoever does that general mills i think um, yeah let's see what else was there that i saw cinnamon toast crunch wise um i want them to come out with a loaf of bread which is just funny to make a cereal of a thing and then make that thing into the thing tasting like the cereal. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like if, if uh, it'd be like if Cookie Crisp came out with a line of cookies. Oh, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. So it's not like actually Cinnamon Toast Crunch in the, the bread. It's just like life size of what the toast should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's cinnamon bread. <laughs> yeah. Which okay. is already a thing. Yeah. Do they have like Cinnamon Toast Crunch cinnamon rolls? I know they have Cinnabon cinnamon rolls that you buy in the store. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure they've done a cinnamon roll, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, how about toothpaste? Body wash shampoo? Where, where's that at? Oh, my gosh. That's actually a good idea because it would like be exfoliating because it'd be kind of grainy. <laughs> and then you can lick yourself. Yeah, people would buy that up. <laughs> 
cinnamon toast crunch candles do you know anyone who makes candles steve <laughs> i might yeah i don't know if that would pass their test of quality but do they yeah but the problem is like there's plenty of cinnamon flavored candles out there and, like is there really a smell to cinnamon toast crunch it's, it's the the sugary cardboardy smell right the cardboard is part of it like yeah you need the smell of the milk the cardboard and the yeah cereal itself that's probably not a good combo i think for a candle um cinnamon toast crunch uh baby wipes <laughs> why are we talking about cinnamon toast crunch all of a sudden oh the the creamer yeah, so, I'm, yeah a bit, got... I'm not a big creamer though are you, you are you a creamer? no <laughs> i i like i mean i'll cream from time to time no um i'm a big coffee drinker but i uh either drink it black or with just straight half and half but i don't really like to add sugar or other flavors mm-hmm. Because I find it, and this is going to sound dumb, but disrespectful to the coffee. Because coffee has such a good flavor already to me. Same here. That I don't want to, like, sully that by putting random sugar and flavors in it that don't belong. Um, I like my coffee the way I like my holes. Black, Steve. I like black holes. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to think one of those stupid coffee. I like my coffee jokes. (laughs) Right, right. I like my coffee like I like my tar heroin. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, I like a, I like a dark roast, and I don't need to add sugar or anything. Um, sometimes I will get one of those like flavored coffees, like if it's like a hazelnut flavor, mm-hmm. just for fun. But I get kind of like bored out of them. Sure, not bored out. I'm just like I, I, I just want coffee flavor. I go anywhere yeah, from like a breakfast blend to like a dark roast. Like I like it all. I like all lights, mediums, darks, all coffee. But I don't need to add anything to it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I like. A medium to medium dark roast, um, but I, I respect all the all the roast profiles. Too dark, it gets a little bit too much for me when it gets like kind of oily, like the French roast or Italian roast. But okay. but yeah, just a little bit of coffee. Um, but I do like the specific of the phrase "you exude amaretto." It's such <laughs> such a good line. It sounds like a, a, a an insult on Sex in the City. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you exude amaretto, like telling someone that they're drunk. <laughs> Yeah, Wegman's also wearing a number 30 on his little basketball jersey. It looks like it's probably a Golden State Warriors. So at the time with Stephen Curry, right? Yeah. In fact, Michael Rappaport's a big basketball fan. Oh, big and, Knicks fan. Yeah. Yeah. And before he got into stand up, he assumed because he's like 6'2, so he's kind of a tall guy, that he would go into playing basketball, but decided to <laughs> go into show business instead. This role was, it had to be written just for Rappaport. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it looks like him and. Yeah. So much of his personality comes through this character. Yeah. Well, Homer gasped as uh, office supplies behind him burst into joy uh, with scotch tape flying like confetti and staplers kick like rockets. I was surprised there wasn't a scene where, like, what just happened? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the, I was like, oh, sorry. The, the, you know, someone's like, sorry, the, uh, the staplers do that sometimes. <laughs> They've done that kind of joke before in The Simpsons. Right. Like, oh, we uh, spilled some toxic waste in the office, in the supply closet. And so now they just do that. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's how they can <laughs> do it. Anyway, so Mike offers Homer half a power bar with the wrapper rolled up real good. So there's no pocket lint as an offering, which I can't, I can never be one of those people either. It's like, oh, I got a Snickers bar. I'll have like two bites, wrap it up, put it in my pocket, Ugh. eat it for later. I'm like, I'm going to eat the whole thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I understand people like have to have a snack throughout the day or whatever. And like, I need a little like sugar rush. Like, here's, I guess that's what's good for like M&Ms, right? That I think mm-hmm. is fine. You got M&Ms or Skittles. You can just have a couple in your mouth, put it in your pocket. You're good. Right. If it's like a full bar. And also he's trying to share it too with Homer. Right. Which is kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I also want to go back to the uh, speaking of candy bars, but like the the joke of Homer having the uh, Pop Tart and cell phone hoster. Mm-hmm. 
That's a very funny bit. Uh, I think if you're dressing up as Homer for uh, Christmas, (laughs) for Halloween this year, uh, put that there. No one will get the reference, but we will if we see in the public. Yeah, that'll be fun. (laughs) But it's funny because he's like, it's open. It's an open pop chart. And it's blue. Looks like it's one of like the blue frosted ones, like a blueberry maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just open. Like he's already had the one pop tart. Right. See, I'd go double double holster like a cowboy and put one on each side. We should come up with like, yeah, like holsters and like bandoliers, but just put like snacks in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like you know, like with the side arms, like when you, um, you know, under your armpit, like that would be a good one for something. I don't know. Yeah. You probably don't want anything too melty, though. Right. Like you could maybe do a corn dog. <laughs> like, yeah. You open your jacket, like it looks like you're pulling out a gun, but it's, it's a corn dog. <laughs> And then you have a bandolier of like mini corn dog pups across <laughs> your chest. Yeah. I was trying to think what you could put in the bandolier, like that's kind of bullet size. It's like um like candy canes, I guess, could be one. But yeah. Or what if you just like put like red ropes, like just <laughs> variety of licorices. <laughs> pixie sticks, those are a little too thin. Yeah. It's the last time we saw a pixie stick. Do they still sell I'm those? Gonna... I'm sure they probably do, but like ugh. It just sounds so like sugary. Yeah, they're not good. And fun dip. Oh God, yeah. I never liked those. I remember and- once one summer I made my own and it was with Kool-Aid <laughs> and sugar. Did and it work? It, it did, but like I had a Ziploc bag full of sugar. Oh, that was a thing kids did. I remember that. Yeah. It was like definitely a middle school thing that people were like, Oh yeah, you just mix sugar with Kool-Aid. And then people would just like walk around with Ziploc bags. <laughs> and then there'd always be like one kid who like, Hey, I can snort it. And then yeah. <laughs> And turns out he was just holding cocaine. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I used to just take, remember we had the Country Time lemonade, like the powder? Uh-huh. I used to just eat that with a spoon. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> now, we were very much like on candy and sweets this episode. Hey. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. This is a family-friendly episode. We haven't talked about hogs yet. That's true. Wow. 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 Let's see how clean we can keep this uh, fucking piece of shit garbage podcast. All righty. So at a costume tennis department store, Homer is looking for a new wardrobe, one befitting a mentor. He asks Marge, which tie is more appropriate, one with purple stripes or a green one, which Homer has written the word mentor. Marge then notices that uh, Homer's wearing her perfume, and he figures that he likes it on her, so Mike will like <laughs> it on him, which actually just seems like sound logic. Right. Like, I was thinking, I, I, like, when I was younger, I was thinking, like, should I wear perfume so girls will like me? <laughs> because they smell good. I want to smell good. And, you know, I don't well, know. You know, you had cologne and then you had perfume, and it was always meant to be only girls have perfume and boys have the clone they would the two shall never mix but then when calvin clyde did the ck1 it was meant to be like this is gender neutral clone so if a woman wears it and a guy wears it it's totally cool yeah and now uh because my wife is in the scent industry making candles and perfumes now i've learned that a number of my favorite smells tend to be unisex scents perfumes or whatever you want to call them and so laura and i will like share bottles of cologne or perfume because we find ones that like work for both of us so it's out there i would like a spiced tobacco cologne oh yeah that sounds great yeah i literally just got a candle that's a spiced tobacco candle and it's like my favorite candle now Hmm. it feels like i'm in a cigar store which cigar stores like are the best smelling stores yeah in my in my opinion i understand like if you're not like if you don't smoke cigars you've never been around that you're like not into like cigarette smoking it doesn't smell like cigarettes no it just smells nice and woody and kind of yeah smells smells like the 90s 
That's right. You remember how like the cigar craze in the nineties, like cigar aficionado, you'd have mm-hmm. like celebrities talking about cigars. Like one week would be Mel Gibson, and the next month it would be uh Tom Selleck. The next month it's Monica Lewinsky's vagina. There it is. That's the annoyed grunt boy <laughs> thing that we know and love. Uh at first I was trying to think of problematic people that were on it. That's what I did the Mel right, Gibson. Right. I never remember. Oh. I think Barack Obama might have been on a cover of Cigar Aficionado. I could I could see that. Schwarzenegger was big on the cigars. But you never mm-hmm. see the celebrities doing the cigar thing anymore. It's not cool. No, I think it's kind of like... We're all into pe- TikToking and vaping, Steve. Yeah. Is there going to be a vape aficionado with like uh, Machine Gun Kelly on the cover? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure there is a vape magazine. It's probably an <laughs> e-magazine. No one reads physical magazines. Right. We're old. Yeah. Uh, so Lisa is shocked to see Homer care so much about his job. Homer feels that now that he has a mentor, everything has changed. For the first time in his life, someone is dependent on him to guide them through their <laughs> life. So Bart, Lisa, and Maggie all scoff at this comment. Yeah, the kids are definitely sidelined. That was a very funny joke. Um, <laughs> Homer tells Marge how cool Mike Wegman is. The way that he listens with his mouth open. The way he's been blocked by so many celebrities on Twitter. <laughs> Again, is this Wegman or is it Rappaport? Right. Uh, and he thinks Homer is the most valuable worker in the entire nuclear plant. As Homer says this, other shoppers begin to notice him. And Homer proudly states that he has someone at work who admires him. Just as he says that, the escalator he's standing on in front rips his pants off. Ah. The kid's on the escalator again. Mm. Sorry, Mal reference. Um, <laughs> so the crowd all laugh at Homer and then Chalmers say, he's fat. Homer wastes his pants to cycle through the escalator again. Like, it happens to him all the time. All the time. Yeah, he's just used to it at this point. I mean, another big fear of us as kids is the escalator. And even as an adult, I'm like, I hope my shoelace doesn't get on the escalator. Yeah, there's like a Twilight Zone episode that never happened that I have in my head of like an escalator just eating me up. Um, and and also the best, uh, speaking of escalators, the best uh, Mitch Hedberg jokes. Yeah, out of so many great ones. But yeah, this temporarily stairs. <laughs> Sorry for the convenience. He's so great. Um, the following morning, Homer arrives at work and is greeted with respect and his favorite morning beverage. Mike Wigman has brought Homer his coffee just the way he likes it, with no coffee, just donut holes. Mike is thrilled to be in Sector 7G, where Olympus fears to tread. Mike feels that Homer is a Category 5 hurricane of knowledge, and he's just an old idiot that won't leave his beach house. Homer anticipated Mike's enthusiasm by preparing two motivational posters, one that features a large mountain and the text that says, Go Big or Go Home, and another with an eagle soaring through the air that says, Bet on Yourself. Homer shows Mike around the workstation, and Mike eagerly takes it in, aggressively agreeing and complimenting Homer, and Mike is shocked to be standing where he is at that moment. I can't believe this. I am only 35 and I am sitting at the feet of the atomic Baba Booey. Mm. You're 35? Then why do you have a job of a 20-year-old and talk like a 10-year-old? Here's how it is. So my buddy Nesto and me were cleaning gutters for cash. And when that idiot Nesto falls off and lands on a doghouse, stupid Nesto, then my parents were on my case to get a real career, something closer to the ground. So I thought, why not follow my hero into man's greatest calling? Nuclear whatever. So I went down to the plant, told them I was part Native American. I could be. I always liked those guys. And boom, I'm an intern. Three short years later, got myself a mentor. Wow, my posters really worked. But you don't need me telling you how great you are. You get enough of that at home. Happy birthday, Lenny. 
don't you come over to my house for dinner? I've got some people I'd like to introduce to the way you act around me. If that was all written by Frank, and it probably was, but maybe maybe some of uh, Rappaport's personal or just some ad-libs coming. I, I don't know. It's just the delivery was just so felt so flawless. Mm-hmm. I, I said I was Native American. I'm, I mean, I could be. I like those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In addition to his comments, it's, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. And then also Homer, he's like, oh, my posters really did work. The images have nothing to do with the text either, because like yeah. there's just a mountain that says "Go big or go home." That doesn't mean anything. No, that's like much like our uh, favorite uh, shirt that you can get on our T Public site, tpublic.com/user/annoyedgrumpboys, which of course is if you're a woman and you've got a voice, you've got a personality. And then also when he when Mike calls Homer the Atomic Baba Booey in real life. Rappaport lost to Gary Delabate, the producer for the Howard Stern show, which his nickname is Baba Bowie. I uh, lost a, a, a Howard Stern fantasy football league uh, in 2014. And he's been with the Howard Stern show since then with the fantasy <laughs> football. So here's another thing that's really interesting is if you listen to Rappaport, he calls in all the time on the Stern show. But he's also playing Michael Rappaport, the New York character. <laughs> like he's Rappaport. They talk about some of his stuff, but he gives like so much shit to all the staff, minus Howard. Like he gives everyone so, so much shit. But it's he's playing a character too. So I think I don't know how he got this idea. Like, hey, can I just like come on and raz your staff? Mm-hmm. And like Howard lets him do it. And now he's like a major, he's like a, a big character, not a big character, but he's a, a player on the Howard Stern show. He'll call him like maybe once or a couple times a week, at least once a month. We'll hear from him mm-hmm. you know, doing this football fantasy league and then just talking shit about people. And then, you know, now he's on the one of the most popular sitcoms of all time, The Simpsons. So like, <laughs> what an interesting career this guy has. And he does plays. He's, he's a he's a New Yorker, you know, thick and thin, true and true. Just uh, is there a real Michael Rappaport? It's like that's what I'm saying. Like every time I see him, besides like you know when he's on a TV show playing a character, that's fine. This is fine. But then when he's on Howard Stern, which is quote unquote supposed to be real, which it's not scripted. That mm-hmm. it is there a real Michael Rappaport? Like even if he's doing like interviews, it seems like he's a character. Yeah, and like I saw him recently talking about Trump stuff on social media or like the strike. And again, like he's telling the truth and like expressing himself well, but it does feel like he's also playing this character like it's hard to know where yeah the act begins and the real man ends yeah he's very passionate very outspoken i guess in his social medias and rants it's like <laughs> even though, like you agree you agree with what he says you just sometimes feel like i'm sorry i'm sorry don't yell at me <laughs> right right and you're just like oh okay <laughs> when i went to new york he was what i was afraid of like <laughs> not him specifically but just like if i went to new york and i ordered a hot dog i would just be worried about like saying the wrong thing or doing it the wrong way and then having somebody like that just kind of berate me it's like oh you want a fucking hot dog you probably want fucking mustard on that too right oh you're probably gonna hand me some fucking money and i'm gonna give you some fucking change is that what you want yes please i'm sorry (laughs) great doing fucking business with you fucking fuck yeah have a fucking great day yeah come back again you fuck it's an honor to do business with you you (laughs) asshole But it's because everything you see like in New York on TV is like they want to exaggerate that because that's fun. Yeah. And so when I went to a deli and I ordered I, I wanted to order a pastrami sandwich and a matzo ball soup, but I ordered a matzo ball sandwich and a bowl of <laughs> pastrami. The guy just like laughed at me and said, yeah, sure, I got what you're saying. No problem. And he's just perfectly polite about it. So Wait, you actually did that. I did. Yeah. 
<laughs> did, he, did he say forget about it? He did. Okay. Turns out he just had all the Alzheimer's. So, <laughs> I mean, pastrami soup probably is pretty good. Yeah, and you know, a matzo ball sandwich wouldn't be—I don't know what it'd be, but it wouldn't it's be awful. Bread on bread on bread sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Mike politely accepts Homer' invitation to dinner and then shouts, "Hey, Lenny, you duck-faced psycho! Guess who's going to Homer Simpson's house for a meal? Me!" It turns out he's actually just talking to Carl, who responds, uh, I'm Carl. If only Homer had taught Mike to, uh, you know, write Lenny equals white and Carl equals black on his hand. Yeah. Do you think anyone, <laughs> Simpsons tattoo people out there, does anyone have that tattooed on their palm? I know that's probably like one of the worst places to get a tattoo and I've never seen palm tattoos. Are those a thing? Yes, there are tattoos. It looks painful. Actually, all the pictures are like their skin turns really red. And yeah, yeah that does look pretty painful. Uh, so in the kitchen of 742 Evergreen Terrace, Marge tells Homer that she'd appreciate more of a heads up before inviting a mentee for dinner. Uh, Marge stretches out the casserole by doubling the layer of Frito, spelled M-R-E-E-T-O-S, brand chips. Um, and Homer assures Marge that he'll love that she'll love this kid. And Marge is shocked to learn that this kid looks 40 plus. <laughs> As Mike meets Marge, he suggests that Homer is always tired at work, possibly due to constantly having sex with Marge, thereby earning the name Mr. Plow. Which is great because that means that Mike Wegman knows who Mr. knows about Mr. Plow. Yes. And implies that he's plowing his wife. I also have a theory that this character is because we don't get an explanation of why he's really a fan, like why he exists and is a fan. Like there's no like story of like what he's doing in life. It just it's mm-hmm. like, no, I just want I'm a fan of Homer. So I'm wondering if like this is essentially the caricature of an avid fan base of The Simpsons. I have a theory. Like, he's do you want the theory now or should we do it later in the episode? Maybe later. That's great. We got a tease, you know? Yeah. Um, I also like how when he's like going on like to Marge, like she's just like kind of flew over everything he said, like didn't take that right. to like didn't underend the sexual and innuendo he just said. He's just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. So then Mike introduces his expecting wife, Maureen, and their soon-to-be child, Patrick Ewing Wegman. Maureen states that uh they're having a girl, so they can't name her Patrick. But Mike feels that Ewing's lifetime record of 2.4 blocks per game justifies it. And in Mike's defense, who's to say what the gender of the child will be, right? Yeah. At the dinner table, Mike is impressed by the food. He was expecting a party sub, but hot carrots? Who thinks of that? <laughs> <laughs> Never had steamed carrots. Yeah. Also, let's give it up for Maureen, voiced by uh, the wonderful Tress McNeil. Always great. Uh, Kind of has a fun, like, almost a Peg Bundy quality to her, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after telling Mike to blow on his food so he doesn't burn his mouth again, Maureen thanks Marge for having them over. Mike admires Homer so much, and Homer feels that his family doesn't admire him any much. Mike tells Marge to hang on to Homer because if he were single, he'd be knee deep (laughs) in ladies. Lisa then asks uh, about how Mike and Maureen met, and after Mike's goading, Maureen explains that Mike was a waiter at her own wedding. Mike likens uh, Maureen's appearance on her wedding day to those girls you see leaving Vinny's bedroom on on Entourage that don't say nothing, which is, you know, awful. And then Bart faces Mike with a question of his own. So Mike, you seem like a sharp tack. What exactly is my dad teaching you? How to eat donuts while napping? (laughs) Did this little hump just say what I thought I heard? It's okay, Mike. I don't sweat it. Yeah, Mike. The only thing Homer sweats is gravy. (laughs) No one disrespects Homer Simpsons, especially not an ugly little punk like you. That's right. I said ugly. Your head looks like a rejected Muppet. Two golf balls glued to a can of oats. 
Between that Tommy Lasorda gut and those toothpick legs, you are not a kid. You are a walking potato clock. in your clangus kid all right it's okay i want you out wow in 31 years have we ever seen bart put in his place like that no and like everybody's voice acting in that clip was so great yeah uh nancy just that sob felt so real when like bart started crying and then yearly just <laughs> cracking up was so funny it's probably the greatest moment in Lisa's life right now. Right, exactly. Like, she's witnessing somebody just obliterating the person who makes her life a living hell. So, yeah. In my theory, too, like the way he's talking to Bart, he is essentially a Simpsons fan through and through. Loves the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. and, like, Bart is essentially like people that have been dissing the Simpsons for, for many years now because it's not as good as the Golden Age. Right. Also, I personally have to say, two thick legs and a Tommy Florida gut looking like a <laughs> walking potato clock. I am personally offended by that. <laughs> that is my That's body true. type to a T. <laughs> I'll admit it that I have very muscular legs, but I also really enjoy beer and fatty foods. So I've got a healthy gut. So I also look like a walking potato clock. You just need to have like spiky Bart hair. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Any hair would do. We're going to get you a, a wig. I have a Bart wig like the Albanian guy had. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I guess it'd be Hans Molman. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, just what a great scene. And like you said, the voice acting too, because when Bart continues to sob as the Wegmans leave, it's just another like uh, Nancy's crying. It's really good. And like Wegman's face is like, he's totally fine. Like what happened? Like he was just kicked out, but he's still like happy. But Maureen's like apologizing. And then home, as they drive up, Homer asks where the uh, baby's registered. And they reply at the uh, sports betting website, DraftKings.com. <laughs> Later uh, in bed, Homer asks Marge how many times he has to say he's sorry. And then Marge replies that once would be nice. Another very funny scene. We're coming into a conversation where you think Homer's like, how many times can I say sorry? Like he's said it a thousand times and he <laughs> just never said it <laughs> that's very funny yeah uh, but marge thinks that mike is a lunatic and homer feels that mike respects him but marge reminds him that she and the kids respect him but he feels that they only loved him so homer then asked marsh to look him in the eye and say that she respects him as a nuclear guy marge <laughs> smiles and then her left pupil just flows to the side and then falls to the bottom of her eyeball very cartoony, very funny. Mm -hmm. And so Homer just uses his finger to fix her eye and then says that he just wants one person to think he's good at something. Marge feels that if Homer really wants to help Mike, he should help him grow up. So in the break room the next day at the nuclear power plant, Mike listens to uh, a college basketball game on a little personal radio, hoping Fordham will cover the spread. I also like how Homer has a coffee mug full of uh, donut holes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Homer walks in and asks Mike what his dream would be if he weren't a 35-year-old unpaid intern with the baby on the way. Oh, okay, I'm going to tell you, but don't laugh. I won't. Slices. Uh-huh. Nothing better than getting a slice of pizza, right? But it's always been under the heat lamp, all dried out. Damn heat lamp. Right, so why not make the pizza one slice at a time? Hot and fresh. Every slice is Derek Jeter. No Scott Brocious in the bunch. That's genius. Oh my god, I can't believe you like it. Mike, 
You know what you should call your slices? Mike's Slices. I'm Mike! Yeah! Okay, what you need is an investor, and I know the perfect person. He gave me $5. Every slice, hot and fresh from the oven, into your mouth. Every slice, a Jeter. No Scott Brociuses. Why can't I get a whole pizza and slice it myself? There are no whole pizzas. It's just slices, hot and fresh. And don't worry about investing with this guy, Mr. Burns, because he's backed by the full mentorship of Homer J. Simpsons. Okay, so we've both worked at pizza before. What do you think about this uh, Mike's big idea for Mike's Slices? Well, obviously, we see it doesn't work because you're still just making a full. You still have right. to do the dough and it's still going to take a couple of minutes to cook. Um, there's a way, way to do it. You have to like par bake all the dough mm-hmm. so that way you can get the sauce and the cheese on. Here's how I would do it. I would just cook the dough in a circle round. Uh-huh. Round. Nothing on it. Bake it, get it down, make sure like there's no bubbles on it. Then I cut the dough so I have these triangles. Not par bake. It's it's fully baked, but not like too crispy. But then when the slice is ordered, then I put the sauce and the cheese on, cover it. Like I put the, the slice on the foil, throw it into oven for a couple minutes just the cheese to melt and then you're done mm-hmm. so it can be a thing you know you're just trying to melt that cheese essentially and then, you, then you'll get that nice crisp crispy crust at the bottom because it's already been cooked once through and then like reselling old uh slices yeah it, under the heat lamp they're not that good yeah but also cold pizza is better than lukewarm like heat lamp pizza 100 percent agree what's your food truck idea <laughs> Everyone's got a food truck idea now. Like, I, mine's changes uh, weekly at least. The two that I always go back to are poutine of the world or nachos yeah. of the world. And then also, I don't know if it would work for a truck, but I want to de- do a beer float shop. So you have, you know, a variety of ice creams and a variety of beers. And it's like an, it's like an, like an old timey, like getting root beer floats, but it's all beer, beer. Adult. Yeah. Yeah. So you have like, Obviously, you get like a chocolate ice cream with a stout, which is delicious. But you could also get, uh, you know, a nice sour beer with a lemon sorbet. Um, mm. Vanilla ice cream would work even with an IPA. I think if you had like a kind of a less hoppy, more fruity, yeah. tropical IPA, I think a vanilla ice cream would work really well. You know, even like a Pilsner would work with like uh, some sort of like lime thing. But mostly it'd be stouts and sours because I think they would lend themselves to ice cream really well. The problem is you're also gearing to 21 and up. So you're losing a lot of uh, potential money with like kids. Sure. But yeah. you could still have a classic root beer float that's not alcoholic. Exactly. So it'd be fun for the whole family. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your dad's but- getting drunk on ice cream. <laughs> yeah. It's like Tuesday night, but he's got ice cream. But I think the good thing is like, is you're also going to be selling it at a premium price. So if you're using like a Guinness, for, for example, mm-hmm. usually a Guinness, a pint of Guinness at a, at a pub is going to run like, Anywhere from it depends on the country, but anywhere from like six fifty to eight seventy five. Right there, you'd probably be selling these floats for like thirteen to fifteen dollars. Probably, yeah. You're not and going like, back for a second, so you're not going to get wasted. No, and like you know, we'd also obviously offer just pints and beer flights and you know ice cream cones. So right, you can get individually whatever you want, but I think right. the the hook of the thing would be just um, ice cream and beer together. And it works for a food truck, yeah. Now, Craig, what is your food truck idea? Steve's slices. Huh. I like no. it. <laughs> um, right now, I'm thinking steak bites. Okay. Steak is good. Yeah. I don't, I'm just coming up with this right now. <laughs> no, like, what if you have, like, steak bites of the world? <laughs> like, you have, like, uh, chimichurri steak bites. You could have, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your basic steak bites. You could have, like, a nice garlic parmesan steak bite. Ooh, yeah. 
Do like a soy marinated, like sure. Asian flavor. Oh, a miso steak bite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking like steak bites. You know, people like wings, but what about just like steak bites? But you'll have like, it'll come in like those little like cart cardboard boats things, you know, cardboard container. Mm-hmm. And then uh, jab some toothpicks, like a toothpick in there. So you'd have to eat with a toothpick, you know. So then the waste is just a toothpick and a little recyclable paper boat thing right maybe i'll i'll uh i'll be next to your poutine one (laughs) i do like that idea because what's good about it is you would marinate your meat to impart the flavor and then you just throw it on a hot grill and then just put it in your in your boat and then season it however you see fit like with your sauce or cheese or whatever and yeah i think that'd be really good and the great thing about steak bites is like when you get that at like a restaurant it's always like the cheapest cut of meat Mm -hmm. so you don't have to worry about getting like high quality like cuts you know yeah you could just use like a flank steak or something the chuck roast i could use that i like it uh we'll work on the uh, the ideas but yeah there we go steak bites and uh beer floats and uh maybe the poutine yeah i like it uh, next week we'll come up with a whole new food truck <laughs> idea. Also, I would never open a restaurant or food truck. I mean, I'd love to, but uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it'll be like it'll be like years of hell with no profit. It's something I think about all the time. Like I was like, I I, sh- I could open up my own thing, but then I'll walk by a business that is like doing construction on their thing, or I have to hire somebody at my store, and that's yeah. pretty the answer. And I think about like starting from the ground level and just like having to build a whole thing and it's just like okay i'm either gonna work 18 hours a day or just be very unhappy <laughs> or both and it's right. like uh so exhausting <sighs> so let's just do a podcast instead there you go that's where the real <laughs> money is <laughs> oh <laughs> so it is mr burns pleasure to let homer know that mike's slices is the stupidest idea he's ever heard he tells homer to get that intern out of his office and then calls homer and nan come poop so Mike becomes enraged, his face turning bright red, saying no one disrespects Homer J. Simpsons. Monty is resolute, but Mike is quick to respond. Nin, come, poop. Listen to me, you skunkbag full of centrum silver sitting on your peanut brittle ass with your turn-of-the-century buzzard face. You ain't worthy to squeegee this man's back sweat. You smell like Chinese food that someone left in an old jack-o'-lantern. My mentor is the shiniest diamond in the whole Zales. So stuff your organs back in their jars and crawl in your mummy box, you sick, fungused-up, hepsy Dracula. By the way, he's off his happy pills. Great comedic timing from Smithers, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, I love how this episode uh, just dances between being a silly cartoon and being a very tropey sitcom. Like <laughs> the ruining of the birthday party, um, the, uh, oh, somebody's coming over for dinner and Marge has to make dinner, you know, oh, like, yeah. but then you also have the thing with like uh, the dream sequence and Marge's eyeball and this like gun. <laughs> Just shooting him in the face. It's great. This is really funny. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rappaport's like voice acting. Just all those like insults. Yeah. Old Very Chinese food in a yeah in a jack lantern. Like it's so visceral. So it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after being shot with Mr. Burns's two hundred year old gun, Mike's face is covered in pellets, and Mike's doctor warned him that he can't get shot in the face again. <laughs> so. As Homer pulls out BBs from Mike's face, Bart mocks his appearance. And so uh, Mike lays, lays his head on the on the table, but not out of embarrassment, but due to the fact that all those BBs are making his head heavy. Uh, Homer takes the blame, 
saying that he didn't stop all those nuclear accidents, but he actually caused them. Mike shakes his head in disbelief, causing DBs to fly everywhere. Homer then uh, states that he was caught shoplifting those motivational uh, posters from the poster store. He was trying to go big, and they wouldn't let him go home. Er, Homer. Yeah, like the episode. So then Homer tells Mike that he's a bad mentor, but Mike won't allow anyone to disrespect Homer Simpsons, not even Homer Simpsons himself. So Mike feels that Homer is the best mentor a lousy bride banger like him could ever ask for, and he's going to prove it. He leaves quickly, and Marge wonders who spilled BBs all the four before slipping on them, falling to the ground like she sees it, but she still <laughs> does the cartoon slip and fall. I don't know why, but Marge falling to the ground was hilarious to me. You just like, this is a Marge in pain episode. She gets killed in a dream, and then... Yeah, she gets her eye poked. and Yeah, <laughs> slips and falls, yeah. Uh, so Homer's once again shoveling his his yard when he hears someone shout, Yo, mentor! And as uh, that Samori is heard over a tinny speaker, we see Mike Slice's pizza truck with the slogan, When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza slice, that's Mike Slice's. <laughs> uh, Mike <laughs> asks... doesn't even try. <laughs> it, it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike's asked if anybody wants a slice of pizza that wasn't sliced from a pizza. And then the food truck also offers the following slice options. You got classic New York. This uh, has meatballs. Bernard King's pepperoni. Uh, but Bernard King was a f- American former professional basketball player. He played 14 seasons with the New Jersey Nets, Utah Jazz, Golden State Warriors, New York Knicks, and the Washington Bullets. Hmm. Uh, we have hot carrots. What a great callback that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, tribe called pesto. And Marine's garlic knots. I like how everything is... Pizza, like Italian, but the hot carrots. That was just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Homer Simpsons wonders where Mike got the truck, and Mike says it's all because of his mentor, Homer. Ned and his sons are looking to buy some pizza, but don't full-on grasp the concept initially. The boys and I will take a large pie. Can't you read a truck, cookie puss? Slices only. All right, eight, three slices, please. They'll be ready in 13, 26, and 39 minutes. And don't block the window, sizzle chest. When will my slice be ready? And by slice, I mean the first payment on your outstanding loan. You borrowed money from the mob? Nah, 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 it's all good. I took a one-week loan from Fat Tony for a hundred grand. I put 50K into the truck and then bet the other 50 on tonight's Lehigh game, which is a lock. So when I win the bet, I pay back the mob and I own the truck free and clear. Oh, no. You bet on yourself. Go big or go home, baby. Lehigh's in trouble as Holy Cross goes on an unanswered 20-point run. Ah! No, no, no. Lehigh is a lock. They're undefeated on floors with hockey ice beneath them. Never bet on yourself, Steve. I never have. And it's got me okay through life. (laughs) Um, The specificity of 13, 26, and 39 minutes is great because that means that you have to wait 13 minutes for each slice. (laughs) Yep. And just the idea of like, Rod getting a slice, eating it, and then Todd getting a slice, and then finally Ned. It's just, it's great. It sounds pretty flawed because why don't they just get one whole pie together? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he's got that little toaster conveyor belt oven that takes 13 minutes. It's a very slow oven. Yeah. It runs at a cool 350. <laughs> yeah. You got to be hot when you're making pizza, Steve. That's right. I mean, whatever the, t- if you're making homemade pizza and you're using just your standard oven, like however high that goes to, mm-hmm. most most go to 550, unless you put it on a clean setting, which goes to like 900, 800 degrees, which I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't. Yeah. That's, <laughs> for your pizza. That's, that's going to like char your pizza and cause a fire, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- 
550 is usually the good way to go. Yeah. Pizza stone in there too. Yeah. I really am thinking of the slices. Like, I want to try this now. <laughs> like the way I, I said I was going to do it. Right. We have to try this. The problem is like the bubbling of the dough. When you're mm-hmm. just trying to bake that dough, so you really have to watch it and maybe flip it a couple times. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to give this a go and see how this works. I want to hear about this. And like, you should post on Instagram about your progress. Cause... Well, and I need like, but I need like... I need to have like a set of toppings and like, I almost have to have like a little party and like, here's the topping list. Here's what we have. What, what do you want mm-hmm. to eat? So write it down so I can get it out. You know? Yeah. Just uh, hot carrots for me, please. <laughs> uh, so that Tony notices that once again, a man's life hangs in the outcome of a Patriot league basketball game. He instructs his mom to pull their guns up. And the, when the radio announcer reports that Lehigh takes the lead with a three pointer, Homer and Mike cheer as the mob puts their guns down. The Crusaders then uh, score another basket and the gangsters cock their guns. Lehigh comes back with a monster dunk and their guns are uncocked. As the sports reporter puts it, with just a few seconds, Lehigh has it in the bag. The body bag, that is. A last second ha- half court heave leaves uh, Holy Cross as the winner. I forget to mention Homer when they were talking about the slices. This is goes way back and talks about mm-hmm. the slices is a uh, a Derek Jeter every time, and then Homer's not a Scott Brocious. Yeah, uh, Scott Brocious played for the Yankees from eighty or ninety eight to two thousand one. Mm. Um, started off with the uh, Oakland Athletics from ninety one to ninety seven, but not really a uh, considered like one of the great Yankees. But mm-hmm. he won, you know, he won. He was, uh, you know, he won the World Series from 98 to 2000 with the Yankees before eventually Alex Rodriguez would take the third baseman position. But it's a dig at us because he's from Hillsborough, Oregon. Wow. So we have a, a World Series champion Yankee that's from our area. Very cool. He was inducted to the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame in 2005. Hmm. So, Scott Brocious, we're rectifying the uh, dig that Homer made at you. You're our hero. All right. Well, Fat Tony instructs his men to have their guns up, safety's off. Mike and Homer drive off to the food truck, and Mike is confident he'll know a place where they'll never find him. As he drives to the auto yard, which offers salvage, howling dog, and scrap, <laughs> which is funny because you hear the howling dog. So good. Another cliche of like junkyards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Homer then discovers why this is such a good hiding spot. It's a food truck graveyard. There's a number of failed fruit trucks such as... Choco chicken. Uh, I would say no to that. How about bon me smoothies? I'm going to say no to that. All right. Uh, how about jumbo tapas? I'd say yes to that. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, how uh, about cheesezilla? Obviously, reference to Godzilla, but I'm imagining just giant grilled cheese sandwiches, maybe? That sounds good to me. How about K-Pasa kielbasa? Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, it's probably like, you know, maybe Latin-inspired sausages. Sounds good mm. to me. Sounds great to me, yeah. Uh, how about beatbox? <laughs> Hard no for me. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one, too. Uh, we got uh, Cletus's Chicken Thumbs. Which I was hoping they would have referenced the Universal Studio, the Cletus's Chicken Shack or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. That would have been better. Yeah. But I-, I imagine Chicken Thumbs, is is he just, does he mean gizzards? I mean, maybe. I might go to it. It's on the maybe pile. Yeah, it's probably not too bad. Uh, cheeseburger dumplings. That's a yes. That that's sounds a great. 100%. That's so far, that's like the one I'm going to. Yeah. Um, how about hoagie mackerel? Uh, if it's like the picture there, I'm going to say no. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to pass on that one. Uh, peanut butter and jelly burritos. I have not only would eat them, I've made them. I was going to say, this is like a staple of being single with nothing mm-hmm. in your fridge except for peanut butter and jelly and some tortillas. So, yeah. Yeah. And especially those look huge. They look amazing. So that's definitely a, uh, that would be such like an artisanal food truck in Portland too. 
oh yeah i mean there is a peanut butter sandwich truck yeah and so yeah right. that's that's an easy sell for me right uh fritters outrage um yeah it's fine sure if it's um, like different flavor of fritters i'd go for it yeah like a corn fritter and onion fritter that all sounds good yeah I dream of blini. Um, sure. That sounds like uh, you know, little pancakes. That sounds good. All right. Uh, how about gummy ramen? Honestly, like if it had like gummy bears, but they were like ramen flavored, like like you know those like thirty nine cent packets. Mm-hmm. I'd probably would eat one, a couple. Yeah, I'd give it a try at least. All right. Uh, nobody likes quinoa, which does make sense because why would it be? A, is it a quinoa place? But yeah, I like quinoa. I but just a quinoa as a as a as a truck itself. That's all they sell. Yeah, it's not. It's a side. It's a side. Right. It's a it's a good base for a bowl, maybe. But yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's um, what it is. Yeah. Okay. The Poi Truck Club. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't really like Poi myself, but, yeah. you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Chicken Pot Arnie's. <laughs> it's a very funny joke because his uh, last name is Pie. Yeah. Chicken Pot Arnie's. It's very funny. I'd eat uh, Arnie's Chicken Pot Pie. Absolutely. Uh, Houston, we have a cobbler. It's very dumb joke. Yep, sure. <laughs> of course, cobbler. Uh, fussicles. I'd probably pass on that one. Yeah, I, I don't really like ice cold soup. No. No um, gazpacho for you. Go back to Russia for those who <laughs> like it, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, how about Springfield Elementary Cafeteria <laughs> with uh, Lunch Lady Dora? So it's just the cafeteria food. Yeah. The more testicles mean more meat. Oh, that's actually a brilliant idea for a food truck. It's elementary school fast food. And like how much nostalgia could you like sell oh, based off of that? Shitty pizza, those chicken sandwiches. Yep. And of course, our regional favorite, the cheese zombie. Oh, and the curly fries, curly cut, mm-hmm. crinkle cut fries, with crappy, lumpy ketchup. Yeah. And those like icy pops that come in like the cardboard oh, that yeah. are... Yeah, that <laughs> people would eat that shit up. And everyone would dress like Ledge Lady Dora, too. That's how we would mm-hmm. sell this. All right. How about hot foy Sunday? No, I don't want a Sunday of liver meat. All right. You're lost. Uh, how about udon nuggets? Sounds great. That does sound good, actually. Uh, like a deep fried nugget. Like, yeah. that sounds tasty to me of like just noodles in a nugget form. Yeah. Yep. Everything Al Tom. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Gordon sure. cheese. Mm-hmm. And finally, boba clams. It says like boba tea. And then yeah. Clam. So that means if like I'm drinking Mountain Dew with uh, <laughs> clams in it, I suck the, the, the clam through the, the Mountain Dew juice. <laughs> Mountain Dew. Gross. All right, how about if it was crab juice? That's fine. Okay. Um, You know, I know of like one uh, guy. He used to be a bounty hunter and he opened up his own Greek inspired uh mm. A place called Boba Feta. Uh, I was hoping that... for the joke of like not Star Wars, but like Frank's <laughs> Greek cuisine. Yeah, dog the bounty hunters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. hot dogs. Like, there's only two bounty hunters that people know of pop culture as dog and Boba. Exactly. That yeah, the Simpsons don't have a uh, bounty hunter character, do they? I think they may have had a dog bounty hunter like look alike right. at one point, but yeah, not really. You know, I'm a bounty hunter whenever I spill a, a drink. Looking for those paper towels. Oh, boy. We're going to cut that. Um, Steve, we're almost done with this show. Should we just uh, get to it then? 
All righty. Um, Homer is curious as to why all these businesses failed. And Mike says is due to their lack of an original idea, except for all those were original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just as he passes, Steve slices. Oh, no. Steve, oh. you failed truck. It's true. Tony and his gang arrive at the audio yard in search of Mike and Homer when they are finally caught. Mike has a confession to make to Homer. Homer, I got to tell you one thing. Your boy's not ugly. He's gorgeous. Just like his old man. He's gonna clean up. Tell baby Patrick I loved her. All right, do me. I smell mozzarella gently melting over a single slice of triangular dough. Before the end, we will share a pie. It's just slices, you Goomba caveman. Hmm. Usually a slice is dried up from sitting under a heat lamp, but this is hot and fresh. See? This guy has good ideas. What if you let Mike work in the truck to pay you back? No, the food truck business is too big a gamble. And even our gambling operation is in trouble with the advent of legal online wagering. Too bad you can't take action out of my food truck. Let the betting come to you. Now do me already. A food truck that takes bets? Uh, for cartoon pizza, that does look pretty good. It does, yeah. And we've, as we've talked about before, cartoon pizza always looks so good. Yeah, it makes me want one. Uh, me too. Uh, so in the parking lot of this Springfield nuclear power plant, workers are lined up to grab a slice of Zaw and to place a bet on both uh, college and professional sports. Mike tells Tony that they're raking it in on the sports book and that selling wheat of the truck is also quite profitable. <laughs> uh, and I love the fact that there's a guy in a hazmat suit just walking behind Tony and Homer with a slice of pizza and a bag of weed. It's just funny to me. <laughs> uh, Tony tells Homer that he believed in the Stagalagut when no one else would. And Homer listened, nurtured his ideas, and now Mike is a success. Truly, Homer is an excellent mentor. Tears well up in Homer's eyes as he joyously spins around, slice of pizza in hand. And that's the episode, Steve. But uh, look, we got some post credits. Well, I mean, just like the classic uh, one frame image during the credits. And we see uh, shots of Mr. Burns burning his mouth on a hot slice of za. We get uh, Mike cutting the ribbon at Lehigh University, opening the Mike Wegman Center for the Study of Patriot League Basketball Spreads. <laughs> Mike attempts to get his daughters signed by Patrick Ewing at the signing of the book Tall Tales. And we get uh, Mike being choked by Mark Cuban while pitching <laughs> his slice idea on Shark Tank. Um, and then Mike is uh, shocked with uh, stunned amazement as Abra Cadabra cuts Homer in half. And that's the episode. Um, Steve, how about um, we go get a slice of pizza, chow that down, come back and wrap up this week's episode? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back. We're going to wrap up this week's episode of Go Big or Go Homer. We're going to talk about some of our favorite scenes and jokes, kind of a MVJ of sorts, most valuable jokester. We'll talk about how we felt about the episode, 
give it a ranking, find out what we're watching next week, and then we'll go home and go to sleep. But before all that, we'd like to do the fun, and the fun is uh, the gift of giving. Uh, gifts in general of uh, something from this episode that would inspire us to give a gift to each other. It could be anything. I mean, it could be a slice of pizza. We don't know, but I guess we're going to find out right now because I'm going to give Steve a gift. Well, and there's a lot from this episode that I think uh, would qualify as a great gift. The one I really want to give you, well, you should never give pets to people. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to, Steve. I'm going to give you a little pet grasshopper and uh, and this giant card that I had of everyone signed for you. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. With regards, Craig. Wow, you really kind of <laughs> filled up the card there. Oh, no. The grasshopper got stuck in between the card and is now squished. Oh. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, you can have the card. Well, thank you. I, I love a card with dead bug inside of it. Uh, well, kind of makes my gift look crappy. I just got you a uh, food cart with a pizza oven inside so you can have your own business. But uh... And you put your name on the car, too. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. It's Steve Slices. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought you could do something with that. And uh, yeah. So you, you want me to have a failed business? Thanks. Thanks for the dead bug guts. <laughs> And, and a I, card. Yeah, what am I? Well, I can put that up for a week and then feel guilty when I throw it away. Cool. <laughs> Hopefully no one ever asks you to see that card that they gave you. Right. <laughs> so Hallmark <laughs> has just been making like stuff to throw away for years. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever go back to a, a greeting card? I mean, I mean, of course you keep all your greeting cards, right? I do keep every greeting card that I've ever gotten from <laughs> my wife. Um, like, What about other people's wives? Those I, I keep, but I hide even better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What I do when I buy a greeting card is I tend to write, get a blank one, and then I write a little message inside. And I think I'm always being so heartfelt, but I basically say the same thing. It's a greeting card. As everyone. As, yeah. And, and and it's the same message over and over. Well, just like, uh, you're smart. You're funny. You're sexy. I love you. Thanks for like being in my life. And that's basically the sentiment. Yeah, I have I have a card here that Steve sent me a while back. Let me just look at it real quick. He wrote into it, too. All right. I open it up, and it just says, uh, Capital Knockers. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, all right, Steve. Uh, the gifts are out of the way. Now it's time to give the audience a gift. And the gift that we're looking for is uh, jokes. Was there anything from this episode that made you laugh? A scene uh, in particular. Oh, quite a bit. So Marge wasn't like a big part of this episode, but she shined every part she was in. I love the dream sequence where she gets impaled by the uh, signature. Her scene with Homer in the bedroom with the eyeball is really funny. Her getting offended by Mike at dinner is really good. It's tough. My One of my favorite scenes of this episode, I don't want to say my favorite, but is a scene in the kitchen where uh, Mike has his face full of BBs just because it's so silly, like Homer picking them out. And then uh, Mike just shaking his head and then having the BBs go everywhere. And then March seeing them, acknowledging them, but still slipping on them. Really funny. But I do have to give my MVJ to Mike Wegman. I mean, it's his show. Rappaport's delivery mixed with either his ad-libbing and or Frank's writing just makes for such an interesting and compelling character with so many fun and specific insults. And just all of it is so intense and good. I, I just I, I think he really knocked it out of the park. With a really interesting character. What about you, Craig? What what's, uh, what made you laugh? Yeah, the, the scenes with Marge, like you said, the beginning of the dream sequence was great. Her eyeball thing was great. Doesn't understand Wegman. Very fun stuff. But I mean, the, you're right. Uh, you got to give it to Rappaport and the character of Wegman. Just like that whole him yelling out Bart and Lisa laughing at that. That was 
just unexpected and great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that might have been my favorite scene. Uh, Bart getting put to his place. Mm-hmm. And any of the insults that Wegman does to like all the Springfield characters. It's very funny. There was a, <laughs> the one where he confused Carl for or Carl for Lenny was, was pretty mm-hmm. funny. And then, yeah, of course, the grasshopper was very cute, too. But yeah, I got to go with Bart getting his ass chewed. Very fun stuff. Yeah, really good. Um, Almost. What did you think of the episode? Okay, Craig. Well, we alluded to our theories. And this is a very interesting episode because we have this new character who kind of doesn't feel like he's part of the Simpsons world, kind of otherworldly. And I, when I was watching this, I was like compelled. And I, first of all, this is a, I'm going to give this episode a positive rating. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, just a really like speedy, snappy episode with like tons of great writing. Uh, the directing is just brilliant. Uh, visually stunning. I love the way that Mike looks. I even love the way he moves. He's a bit more spindly than other Simpsons characters. And I couldn't re- quite uh, put my finger on it, but for a long time it looked there was a familiarity to this structure of this episode and this storyline. And then it dawned on me that Mike Wegman is Bizarro Frank Grimes. Oh, yeah. And so that's my big theory is that the writers were like, okay, remember Frank Grimes? He was somebody who came from nothing and then worked hard and achieved everything only to be witnessing Homer's incompetence. And that was ultimately his downfall. But Mike saw Homer and then that inspired him to become something. And then he kind of got the same fate as Frank. But then he, much like Homer, failed upwardly. He got to be mentored by his hero, but also find his own niche in life selling pizza slices, weed and sports betting. And he has a much more successful fate. Like it's just it's almost like they just took Frank Grimes as an idea and flipped it over. So I just thought that was a really interesting concept. And I might be wrong, but I just think that's just a really good idea. I I think this is a really fun episode. The way that uh, they they use Michael Rapport so well and just all in all, I think it was great. So the Lehigh Mountain Hawks are a basketball team out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So in Lehigh's last game, they lost to Lafayette uh, 71 to 64. So out of 71, I'm going to give this episode a 64. So really solid episode. Good time at the movies. The movies being the sitcom called The Simpsons. And I think that Homer Simpsons and the rest did a great job. Uh, Solid episode. What did you think, Craig? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I uh, thought the directing was outstanding. Uh, Kind of allude that to be in the beginning of the episode. But yeah, Rappaport is Mike Wegman. It was great. And and I like your analogy that it's Frank Grimes. And I like how it's like there's no sinister motive. Like if this was an older episode, like Golden mm-hmm. Age, that there would have been something sinister for Wegman and the reason why he's doing this. And then the Simpsons would get to reset and this character would never be heard from or seen again. And we know that's not the case because he's a continuing character. And I like the theory that he is like us, uh, Simpsons mm-hmm. fans who defend Homer at no cost. Like he'll insult everybody who disses our our friends, the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So I like that aspect of him. And he's like he's like the Internet, essentially, like he's like a, an awakening meme. He's a memeable character now. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was interesting that you're talking about how you know he's like this Frank Grimes character and and how the writing staff wanted to kind of like make a, a new character that's the opposite of that and if you look at his name is mike wegman right mm-hmm. and you scramble his his names and uh create an anagram you get meme waking so Whoa. he's an awakening <laughs> meme of the simpsons <laughs> 
you we'll do make a good that. point though yeah, yeah because he does have this ability to insult people without fear of rebuttal much like people on the like an internet troll does like he'll just say whatever he's feeling and even go out of his way to like be incredibly insulting without any fear of consequence so that's a really good point that you make and that's the internet that's internet culture right there's no fear of consequence if if you if you know in real life if you said something negative about someone and like your job was dependent on like well, i guess that's kind of true how that happens these days but yeah i'll skip that but yeah so what a great episode. I'm finally glad on our podcast we get to see the origin of the Mike Wegman character. And I know there's only a few handful of episodes, but I guarantee you this is the character that will be keep popping up maybe at least once a season. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed it. Uh, Michael Rappaport, I think one of his the, the shows we talked about in the early 2000s was The War at Home. Lasted two seasons, which is a total of 44 episodes. And so out of 44, I'll give this episode, um, I'll give it a 37. In a row? Yeah. I like it. That is a great assessment. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I recommend this episode. I think Steve's right. I never put the connection between the Frank Grimes. So I think this would be a fun, like, watch the original Frank Grimes episode and then watch this episode back to back. So it's kind of like the the telling of the story of the person who hates Homer and the person who loves Homer. Mm -hmm. uh, loved it. Um, and I hope we love what uh, is coming up next week. So, Steve, we got another episode. It's still going to be in the... Uh, Spin the wheel. We're not quite to a new season yet. Mm -hmm. We get to chill on these dog days of summer and watching some classic Simpsons from season 11 and beyond. And we're going to do that right now. And by doing that, I mean, we're going to spin a wheel to find out what season we're going to be watching. So, Steve, let's get that wheel out. All righty. Let's give it a spin to see which season we're in. All right, Steve, we got season 14. Season 14. Alrighty, let's give it another spin to see which episode we're watching. Episode 9. Season 14, episode 9. All right, Steve, what do you think the title of this episode is? Originally aired February 2nd, 2003. Oh, that's a holiday, Steve. I wonder if that's a clue. Oh, huh. So that would be Groundhog's Day. And also 2003, we're in the midst of the Iraq War <laughs> on terror. So... Can we even celebrate Groundhog's Day that year with the Iraq War going on? I mean, we're all so wrapped up in it. Yeah. I was eating my freedom fries and my freedom toast. <laughs> I had my memorial copy of the very hungry caterpillar <laughs> from 9-11. Um, I was probably watching the celebrity apprentice thinking we need a man like this as our president. <laughs> That's right. He'll fix everything. Yeah. Um, so let's see if I had to give this episode a title. I'm going to say weapons of mass eruption. I think you say erections. <laughs> I should have died, but I thought I would go dirty. Oh, yeah, we're, we're clean on this episode. We haven't said yeah. anything dirty, right? Okay. Uh, well, you're wrong. No. Steve, the episode is actually titled The Strong Arm of the Ma. Uh, M-A, not like mouth ma. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. Strong Arm of the Ma. What do you think this mm. episode is about? It's like 22 minutes, Steve. Yes, I know. Okay. Um, strong Arm of the Ma. I am going to say that... It is a flashback episode hmm. where Maude Flanders, hmm. before she became a mother, was an expert slot machine enthusiast. <laughs> and she even had a, a wooden sign that said Maude, but 
she had to sell half of it to get more quarters. Hmm. That's why the sign says Ma instead of Maud. But Ned kept it up there. And it also makes that means that uh, Marge has to face her own gambling addiction in the modern day. And that's kind of how the story wraps around. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Well, you're sort of right, because Marge is in this episode. Hey. Yeah. But she's mugged, and she reacts by working out with weights, but goes too far and ends up a steroid-crazed bully. Steve, do you remember this episode? I vaguely remember Marge being buff, but I don't remember the episode very well. How about you? Yeah, Yeah, I remember this Probably the amount is you because uh, I'm sure Homer is insecure because Marge is stronger than him, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I remember. Um, yeah, uh, written by Caroline Omini. Nice. So uh, season 14, that's pretty much on the border of a golden age too since 14. Yeah. So right. it means we'll either love it or hate it or feel somewhere in between. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about like seasons almost uh, probably from like 13 to like 17 are like not our favorites. Yeah. And that's kind of the reason why we're watching this. This they're doing this podcast again for that kind of those seasons when you know we were kind of you know that that fan who demands better even though we mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with it you know silly bullshit stuff that's why as an older people we can go back and appreciate the work that we did as a children that's right but we might hate it we'll, we'll find out yeah I'm, I'm I'm excited to see it we're the Mike Wegmans of this podcast that's right you shout our heads I don't know I'm not I'm not gonna no, no you're not okay you person with a delightful intellect and good demeanor. Steve said wiener. Mm. All right, Steve. Um, let's see if we have delectable fans out there. And to do so, you got to contact us. We want to hear from you. You can join us social medias um, like uh, Instagram is where we do our posts at uh, 13 Simpsons. Or you can email us at 13 Simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app. Leave us five stars or the equivalent, but you don't need to write a real review. Just uh, write us your food truck idea. And hey, while you're there, leave a voicemail. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we want to steal your food truck idea. Mm-hmm. Um, also, check us out on uh, YouTube. It's YouTube.com slash at 13 Simpsons. I guess that's another social media platform we use. And voicemail. Did we tell about the voicemail yet? Told them about the voicemail. You did? Yeah. Oh, good job. How about our T Public site? Not yet. Uh, you can no. go to tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boy. Grab yourself a t shirt or a mug or a sticker. Uh, they got tie dye now, which is a lot of fun. Should we make a Mike Weigman t shirt? Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we'll think about that. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And remember, nobody ever got trampled at a Michael Buble concert. You're really busting my clangers. Listen up, Millennium. Stop Snapchatting, Fortniteing, and swiping right on your Uber Venmos.